White mic? Good. I thought about going camp meeting style and taking my jacket off and unbuttoning my shirt and tie, but I don't think that would be good. All right. Mark chapter 4, verse number 35 or 37. The Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, uh, sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? If you would notice that phrase again there in verse number 39, the Bible says, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Tonight I want to preach to you on this thought, peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the storm. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that all things would be settled. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd help us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd use me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, God. Lord, I cannot do this alone. Father, I pray that I would lift your name on high, exalt you, magnify you. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. It had been a long and difficult day for the Lord Jesus. The events of this day had began in Mark chapter 3 and verse number 20. He had a confrontation with the Pharisees and Jesus had also taught uh, other parables and he had spent time explaining to his uh, parables to his disciples. During the day, Jesus sat in a little boat off the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He had used that boat as his pulpit as he preached to the great multitudes that had gathered to hear him. When the day was over, he had called his disciples to set sail for the other side of the lake. When darkness fell, the, uh, fell, the disciples were making their way across this little lake. And while they guided the boat, Jesus lay fast asleep in the rear of the boat. He was weary from the busyness of the day. But most of the Lord's disciples were used to being on the Sea of Galilee because most of them were fishermen. Some events would occur that night, though, that would change their lives and their perception about the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples were fearful for their lives, and they call out to Jesus, who is asleep. The Bible says he arises and he calms the storm, and then he turns to his men and rebukes their lack of faith. He tells them that they were fearful in verse number 40. That word means timid, afraid to the point of giving up. But when they saw what he did in calming the storm, we are told in verse number 41 that they feared. This word means to be stricken with awe and amazement in the presence of one greater than self. If these disciples had understood him and who he was as they should have, they would have had the second kind of fear instead of the first kind of fear. And that would have been avoided altogether. But instead of criticizing these men and instead of criticizing these disciples for being afraid, we should often ask ourselves, why do we fear what we face in life when we can have the second kind of fear first? 
Often we like these disciples, we look at our storm and we tremble with fear. However, when we do what they did and involve the Lord in our storm, we find out that he is in control. And then we are left with but one conclusion. He is far greater than any storm that we will ever face in life. There is a sense in which we are all involved here today on a journey. If you know Christ is your Savior, you are on a journey. And we are set sailing on our way toward a place called heaven. As we sail, storms will arise and toss our vessel like the disciples. We often think that storms are going to destroy us. But I want you to know that your storms were not sent to destroy you, but to develop you. The storms of life may grind you at times, and they do, but the Lord will use them to grow you for his glory. This miracle proved to the disciples and, and to us that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and they demonstrate that he is the master in every situation. That night in that storm, the disciples found themselves in a fight for their lives. They experienced the Lord's power to deliver them, and they lived to tell the tale. As I think of this passage of Scripture, and as I think of this thought, peace in the midst of the storm, I want to share with you four truths that I see here tonight. Number one, I see this. I see the troubling storm. I see the troubling storm. Verse number 35, the Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Mark here, of course, is writing this passage of Scripture, and Mark tells us that there arose a great storm of wind. Storms like this are very common on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is uh, most an unusual body of water. It is relatively small, only 13 miles long and 7 miles wide, but it is 150 feet deep, and the shoreline is 680 feet below sea level. Because the Sea of Galilee is below sea level and is surrounded by mountains, it is uh, susceptible to sudden storms. Winds sweeping across the land come up and over the mountains, creating downdrifts over the lake. And when you combine those conditions with a thunderstorm that appears suddenly over the surrounding mountains, the waters of Galilee can instantly stir up violent waves of up to 20 feet. The sea can be calm one minute, and savage the next. Storms like this, though, which very unusual, did not occur like this at night. So the disciples did not set out, uh, set out in a storm, and they did not expect a storm to, uh, to occur. But guess what happened? A storm came. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly how life is, isn't it? It can be sailing one minute, and the next you are fighting for your life. One minute you can be enjoying fair weather. The next minute you're in a storm. One minute you're enjoying life. The next minute you get horrible, awful news. And you find yourself in the middle of a terrible and horrible storm. One phone call away. One 24-hour period. One doctor's visit. One, uh, uh, one situation that occurs. And you're in the storm of your life. Listen, the storm continued its assault on the little boat. And then Mark goes on to tell us that the ship was now full. Mark also tells us that it was a great storm. That word great means exceptional. 
exceeding loud, large, and mighty. It refers to a storm of extraordinary ferocity. Matthew calls this same storm a great tempest in Matthew chapter 8, verse number 24. The word tempest in that passage of scripture refers to a violent upheaval like an earthquake. The sea rose and fell under the disciples' boats. The, ba- the waves were beating into the ship. The disciples felt no stability, no safety, and no security. These men are terrified by the severity of this storm. They are fishermen, and they are used to storms. But this storm was so intense, it was so violent, that it filled them with terror for their lives. The ship is rocking and reeling. It is full of water and they are afraid it will sink. It was a violent storm in the middle of the night. They could not see where they were. They could not determine the proximity of the storm, uh, of the shore. They could not see the other ships around them that we mentioned in verse number 36. They were in terrible danger and they knew it. In verse number 39, they, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but they come and they try to wake up Jesus and they said, Master, we perish. That phrase literally means we are being destroyed. They awoke the sleeping Savior and they cried, Help us, Lord, this thing is killing us. When our, stums, when our storms come, very often they are severe and they terrify us. They fill us with fear and worry. The storms blow in without any warning and they increase in their intensity until it seems that they will never end. The storm of suffering comes. They devastate us with heartache, heartbreak and turmoil. One problem will arise after another until we are buried under an avalanche of affliction. The storms of sorrow toss your vessel. Someone you love is taken away in death and it leaves you broken, grief-stricken and shaken by your loss. Listen, sorrow touches everyone's life, even the lives of Christians. It even touches those who walk close to the Lord. Jesus was in their boat that night and yet they were still afflicted by a storm of sorrow. The storm sometimes of sin arise. It rages within us and around us. When sin enters our hearts, it always comes in a pleasant, calm breeze. It promises us the best, but it soon displays its darker side. It will rip through your life like a tornado, leaving a trail of damage and destruction that it can only be repaired by the blood of Jesus Christ and His forgiveness. So the storms come. And they bring them with, they bring fear and anxiety and pain. But I just want you to know tonight that there is no storm that you will face on earth that heaven cannot calm. There is no problem so great that Jesus cannot fix. But bring that storm to him and watch him deal with it. You might be in a storm right now. You might be facing something. You might be going through something. You might be enduring something right now. You might be in the fight of your life. But let me tell you tonight that even in your storm, you can have peace in the midst of your storm. The severity of the storm. This was not your unusual storm on the Sea of Galilee. It was severe. It was troubling. Number two, I want to share with you this tonight. I see the trembling disciples. The trembling disciples, we kind of touched on it, but verse number 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. 
And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and saying to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I say this for the sake of repetition, but this storm was real. It was right there on their faces. They could feel the wind. They could feel the waves as they battered the boat. They were soaked to the skin as the waves broke over the boat and filled the vessel with water. They were tired and overcome with weariness from struggling with the oars. There was nothing pretend about this storm. It was real and it was happening. Listen, when our storms come, oh, we can feel them too. They shake our worlds. Sometimes they touch our flesh and we can feel it. They touch our heart and we can feel it. They touch our, 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 our minds and we can feel it. The storms are very real. They batter our lives. They wear us down. They leave us broken and wounded. Listen, the storms of life are like the storms the disciples faced on the Sea of Galilee that night. They hit us in the face and they wear us out but can I tell you tonight that the greatest danger that the disciples faced that night it was not a physical danger the real storm was not the storm that battered their boat the real storm they faced that night was the storm that struck them at the very heart of their walk with Jesus the storm that storm was the most dangerous Storm they faced that night. That storm was the most devastating. They come to him. They think they're going to die. They think they're going to lose their life that night. And they say, Master, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They accused the Lord of not caring about what they were facing. But why this doubt? Why this fear? After all, they had already seen his compassion and goodness in action. They'd already see him, uh, see him heal people. They've already seen him, see him do great works in the hearts and lives and people. Why are they so afraid? They faced a storm and they were afraid. They should have known that night that a puff of wind on a little pond cannot thwart sovereign omnipotence. Do you know what their problem was? Listen now, we all face this problem. Do you know what this problem was? They were looking at their situation and not their savior. They had their eyes on the problem and not the problem solver. Listen, we are just like that, aren't we? Have we been there at times when the storms are raging in our life and we have questions God's concern for you? You may not have said it out loud, but you might have said it in your heart. Master, carest thou not that I perish? Jesus, do you not love me? Jesus, do you not care about me? I'm going through this storm. I'm going through this tough time. Yet I don't feel your presence. I don't feel that you're there. Listen, if you're in a storm, or you might have just came out of a storm, or you might be going through a storm, listen, keep your eyes and your focus on Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your focus on Him. Keep your faith on Him. Keep your problems and give them to Him. And look to the Savior. The trembling disciples. We've all been there. Listen, Jesus did not save you just to abandon you when times get tough. He is absolutely committed to you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Listen, friend, that's, a, not, that's not just a suggestion. That's a promise from God. 
When the storm is raging, when your boat is rocking and reeling, when the adverse winds are blowing, when the waves are crashing against your vessel, He will not let you sink. He will hold you up and never desert you under any circumstances. The Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely, absolutely committed to you and you can have peace in the midst of your storm. The trembling disciples. We all get afraid. We all get worried. Lord, you not care about me? Lord, do you see what I'm going through? Listen. Keep your eyes and focus upon Christ. The trembling disciples. Number three, I want you to see this here tonight. I see the trustworthy Savior. The trustworthy Savior. Verse number 38. They ask him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. When they awoke Jesus from his sleep, he began to work. This storm that so terrified these men posed no problem for the Lord Jesus Christ. He rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. And when he did, the winds fell silent. And the sea became as a sheet of glass. Just as easily as he had healed the sick and cast out devils, he was able to control the storm. The Lord we serve, listen, has that same power today. Listen, Jesus Christ never changes. He's always the same. That same God that calmed this storm over 2,000 years ago is the same God that we serve today. Listen, whatever miracle you might need right now, whatever storm you might be going through right now, we have a Savior that we can trust tonight. As we sail on the sea of life, we need to remember that we are all in this thing together. We are all on the sea. We are all on our, in our own boat. And we all voyage together. We need to be sure, though, that Jesus rides in our vessel. Having Jesus in your vessel makes all the difference. They were able to call on him because he was with them. They were able to see him move in power because he was with them. They were able to experience his peace because he was with them. Let me ask you a question tonight. Is Jesus... Jesus in your vessel. If he is, listen, you can have peace in the midst of your storm. Sometimes people get in a storm and they say, where's Jesus? When the matter of the fact is that Jesus was there the whole time. You just took your eyes off of him. That's me, me as well. God, where were you? I was right there the whole time. Lord, I thought you would be there with me. I was. A trustworthy savior. You know, the storm taught these men a lesson that they could have learned no other way. And it would have been nice if they would have simply have believed him after seeing him do all the great things that he did in Mark chapter 1 and Mark chapter 2. It would have been great if they could have taken the things that the Lord did for others and applied it to their own lives. If they could have said, you know, if Jesus can heal a leper, if Jesus can cure Peter's mother-in-law, if Jesus can cast out devils, if Jesus can heal that guy with the palsy and forgive his sins, then I'm sure that he can take care of this storm too. Listen, you might be going through a storm tonight. Look to the Savior. So what about us? Well, we have the Bible. It tells us all the things that he has done and can do. 
We have the testimony of others around us. We have seen that he, what he has done for them. We have even seen him move in our own lives. And wouldn't it be great if we just would just learn to trust him? Listen, we don't sometimes, and, and that, that happens. That's the human nature. So sometimes storms have to teach us that we can lean on him and we can trust him to take care of us. Sometimes he sends the storms to educate us and to teach us to learn to trust him. Listen, his purpose is not to hurt us, but to grow us. You can always trust the Lord to do right in the storms of life. And you tonight can have peace in the midst of the storm. Listen, learn to trust the Savior. Keep your eyes and focus upon him. Number four, and I'll be finished. I see here. The transforming faith. The transforming faith, verse number 40. And he said to them, well, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and sea obey him. Listen, if a situation doesn't rattle the Lord, we shouldn't allow it to rattle us either. And guess what? Nothing rattles God. They were amazed. And they said, what manner of man is this? They learned that he is the one who is in control of every puff of wind, every angry wave, and every storm. Listen, that's a good man to know, isn't it? When they arrived in Gadara, they saw the demon-possessed man. I wonder if they doubted him after that storm. When they saw Jairus come and they asked Jairus, Jairus came to Jesus and said, uh, uh, Master, my daughter is sick and she has died. I wonder if they doubted him that day. I wonder if they said, I believe he, ta- he can take care of this. Listen, I think that their storm increased their faith. They may have That may have been the purpose all along. If it wasn't the purpose, the Lord surely used that in that fashion. And he does the same for us. He uses storms so that we'll learn to trust in him and make sure that our faith is on Christ. Sometimes, as I said, he sends the storms to educate us and to teach us to trust. His purpose, listen, is not to hurt us. Listen, you can always trust the Lord to do right in the storms of life. Listen, I don't know the nature of your storm, but I know who can calm it. If it is a storm of suffering, he can ease your pain. If it is a storm of sorrow, he can comfort your soul. If it is a storm of sin, he can deliver you and set you free. Do you need to hear Jesus say, peace be still to your storm? If you do, then you can bring it to him and watch him work. I don't know what you're facing tonight, but he does. I don't know what you're going through, but he does. You might not be going through anything right now, but what's the phrase? You either came out of a storm, you're in a storm, or you're about to go through a storm. Whatever three phases those are, trust Jesus. Keep your eyes focused upon him and have faith that he will get you through that storm. Horatio G. Spafford was born in New York. On the 20th of October, 1828. But it was in Chicago that he became well known for his clear Christian testimony. 
He and his wife, Anna, were active in their church, and their home was always open to visitors. They counted the world-famous evangelist D.L. Moody among their friends. They were blessed with five children and, consider, and had considerable wealth. Horatio was a lawyer and owned a great deal of property in his home city. Tragedy came in a great measure to this happy home. As just a four-year-old boy, they lost their son, Horatio Jr. He died suddenly of scarlet fever. Then only a year later, in October 1871, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago, devastating the city, including many properties owned by Horatio. That day, almost 300 people lost their lives, and around 100,000 people were made homeless. Despite their own substantial financial loss, the Spaffords sought to demonstrate the love of Christ by assisting those who were grief-stricken and in great need. Two years later, in 1873, Spafford decided his family should take a holiday trip to England, knowing that his friend D.L. Moody would be preaching there in the autumn time. Her radio was delayed because of business, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and their four remaining children, who are all daughters, 11-year-old Anna, 9-year-old Margaret Lee, 5-year-old Elizabeth, and 2-year-old Tanetta. But on November 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on the steamship, their vessel was struck by an iron-sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives as their, as their ship sank Within only 12 minutes, all four of Spafford's daughter perished. But remarkably, his wife Anna has survived the tragedy. Those rescued, including Anna, she was found unconscious, floating on a plank of wood, subsequently arrived in Cardiff, South Wales. And upon arrival, Anna immediately sent a telegram to her radio, which included these two words, saved alone. Receiving Anna's message, he set off at once to be reunited with his wife. One particular day during the voyage, the captain summoned him to the bridge of the vessel. Pointing to his charts, he explained that they were then passing over the very spot where his daughter's ship had sunk and where his daughters had died. It is said that Horatio Spafford went inside his cabin And he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Listen, can you say that phrase tonight, it is well with my soul? I don't know what you're dealing with. But we have a God in heaven who knows. Listen, you might be struggling tonight. You might be facing a storm. Listen, keep your eyes upon Jesus. And keep your faith towards him.